This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site in this program for those with participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative at Hope Public Schools. How are you doing out there? I am David Henderson. And I'm Jeff Madlock. <laughs> you, you okay over there, man? I, I had a small coronary. <laughs> It was oh, not pretty. No, it was not. Did I, you see that? I, I was, was like, a little worried. I, I was, thought I was about to have a heart attack. I was, I was, I was a little worried, man. I was scared. It was like, oh, <laughs> we're live? <laughs> like you've never done this before. Hey, good afternoon, everyone out there listening. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, if you're uh, trying to figure out where we are, what we're doing, what's happening, you can check us out at edutechguys.com. And uh, you can also follow us. Twitter hashtag ETG chat. We'll be monitoring that throughout the show. In the meantime, you can check us out on Twitter at EduTechGuys and or just about any other social media site in the world. Just do EduTechGuys and we're probably there. And if we're not there, let us know and we'll get there. Yeah. We don't have a Pinterest. Oh, I'm not Pinterested in anything. (laughs) (laughs) it's that show show? (laughs) we're pretty excited this is season two episode seven seven we're rolling man this is this has been awesome you know it's funny where we come from Uh, pittsburgh (laughs) well we came when we first started this show we started the room next door and a desk over there (laughs) that is true no i mean it's interesting we we started with uh, one microphone, two turntables, and a microphone. <laughs> two turntables and a microphone, and I learned to rock like a dynamo. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was flashing back to my childhood breakdancing days. I'm suddenly questioning this partnership. <laughs> now? Just now you're questioning? Hey, good point. Good point. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we've come a long way. Uh, today we're using yeah. some new mics. Uh, these are some different mics. And we're going to see how they work out together. So if you 
If you notice anything you'd like to tell us, like, hey, those microphones aren't working, they're too hot, they're not hot enough, uh, what color are they? <laughs> well, we'll be happy to answer all of those. But no, seriously, though, we are, we're, we're working out uh, some, uh, not really issues, but we're, we're working on some different um, equipment uh, layouts uh, for some of the stuff that we do. And so we've, uh, we've switched to these particular uh, microphones. I don't know if I'm going to tell them what they are or not. But anyway, we're trying some different microphones uh, in hopes that these work out pretty well because then we want to take other microphones that we have and then be able to use those when we've got uh, live interviews that we're doing. So we're, we're working on building on to what we've been doing. So. That's right, because we're all about the conference coverage. We are all about the conference coverage. Live conference coverage. We're also all about the base. About the base. I actually thought that's where you were <laughs> See, going. I, I thought that's where you were going, and I was I, like, I, I think I he's actually being serious. I, I wasn't going to let you steal my thunder. Hey, I, <laughs> ka-chigga, ka-chigga. All right. <laughs> hey, you know, it's going to be a great show today. Um, we're going to try to jump into some talking about, you know, it's, it's the end of the summer. Holy smokes, has it flown by. It really has. Um, here in in Hope, Arkansas, in Southwest, in Arkansas, we're two weeks away. Two. We weeks. start the fifteenth, and that starting at the end of this week, it's two weeks. So two full weeks away from the beginning of public school again. Well, here's the thing, though. You know, that's from when the students get back, and actually, a lot of the schools have their teachers coming back. Well, heck, a lot of districts, they're they're um, not not their teachers per se, but some of their um, Instructional specialists, instructional facilitators, those types of folks have already started coming back to school. And then next week, teachers in a lot of districts will be coming back into school and they'll have professional development and, and getting their classrooms ready and that kind of stuff. And then the week after that, here come the students back to school. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Is that this show? We're gonna have a good time this we year. We are gonna have. You know what? Because we're, we are, uh, we're just gonna go off the cuff. I had something smart I was gonna say, and then I lost it, and so it just. Yeah. Would you say it's good times? Good times. Everybody. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, now we're just setting each other up. We are. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, so thank you to the three people who were listening, and we're sorry that you changed the channel or whatever it is you do on the line. On the line. You know, there's a crazy part. So yesterday, um, Eric... Um, Schenninger. Thank you. Schenninger was yeah. here at the Southwest yeah. Arkansas Educational that was That was awesome. I mean, it really was. Um, and you know, what's great is I didn't think about it, but what a great way to kick off professional development uh, That right before school professional development. You yeah. get some great stuff in some brains. Yes. Because you're right. Now it's... Yeah, a lot of folks will be coming back next week, and then the very next week, one week before school, most schools bring in their teachers and start doing some heavy PD. Yes. You know, some district-specific heavy PD. And what's interesting about that is that um, since the mindset has changed, and um, sorry, I, had, I completely, David was laughing at I, me. Sorry, it was the whole heavy PD. <laughs> Like, I was like, oh my gosh, where's he going with this? <coughs> All right. So anyway, anyway, <coughs> excuse me. What's interesting about this is that um, we're about to start the PD season. So the, a lot of things have changed over this last year. 
And I think a lot of things have changed this summer, um, taking people into this next public school year. I mean, there's a lot going on in the nation. There's a lot going on education-wise, mm-hmm. charter school-wise. Um, you know, it's every. There's a lot of charter schools out there now. There's oh, a yeah. lot of companies providing charter schools. Right. Um, there's a lot of this this technology, this technology. Makerspace has has finally come into its own and Steam and STEM and you know, there's this hands-on. There's growth mindset. There's all this stuff going on, and I think it's interesting. I think we're going to start seeing this year especially um, some stuff that we've talked about on the show a lot is that we're going to see the one-to-one aspect of school districts, schools providing technology for students going uh, on the wayside. Yes, I, yes. And we talked about this at lunch, and we've talked it about, oh. about it before here. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Eric probably talked about it yesterday. But, you know, so I'm going to kick it out there. And I think it's one of those things that a lot of schools should pay attention to as they prep for the PD they're going to do in the next two weeks. And not that this is how it usually plays out, but most schools this week went, oh, man, we've got PD in two weeks. <laughs> so we better get that PD together for the next two weeks. It happens. Sure. Everybody takes on vacation, and there's other things we go to during the summer, and right. there's other workshops. But then it gets closer to the year. And I think that's the really interesting part of education. We we go to things in late spring, mostly summer. I mean, mm-hmm. ISTE is in the summer. Early summer. Early summer. So Whoa. it's okay. the, hey, here's what's funny. There is no early summer anymore. Wow. Well. I mean, some schools get out as late as second or third week of June. True. And yeah. then they're back in school less than two months later. Yeah. So the, and that sounds like a lot, that's a lot of time for a kid to be home, but that's really not a lot of time for what we do before right. what administrators and technology coordinators and curriculum coordinators do that two months is like, Oh, especially if you're traveling, you're seeing stuff and new ideas hit you. Right. And like if that idea comes to you in July. So, you know, yesterday, Shinnager was here. And so folks got some ideas. Well, they really only have two weeks to implement those or even thinking about implementing those. I mean, but here's the thing. You and I both know in any, anything you try to implement, especially as large as a school district is, and I mean that, even if it's a school district with 300 kids, mm-hmm. you're still talking about 20, 30 teachers. Oh, well, yeah. And so now you're trying to get something together. And it's always, I've always been amazed about our scheduling. It's our scheduling the way we do PD and the way we do new things. It's to me, it's more like we should have all of our big conferences in the fall and get all these new ideas going so that teachers can think as they teach throughout the year, okay, how would I use this in my class next year? Right. And then in the yeah. spring, the district can go, okay, let's, let's start getting this going and so by the time school's out, everyone has some PD right there at the first of the summer. All right, let's do we, – we prepped this thing in the spring. Let's PD in the first of the summer. Everybody go do your stuff. And when you come back, that PD we start with at the beginning of school is that refresher course. Yeah, yeah. So then, boom, oh, yeah, that's the stuff we were doing in the spring. We looked at all last year. It seems like we've got our schedule all screwed up. Now, then there's the other part of it. Education just never stops. I know people think of it as, you know, August to June. 
But the interesting part is, is that it never shuts down. No, uh-uh. well, we're, we're a company like anybody else. Well, right, and that's one of the things that you know we've talked about. And I'm going to do a little bit of sidetrack here for just a moment, and then I'll get back on. But we've we've even talked about, or I've even talked about on the show before, where um, you know a lot of, I think, my personal opinion is that we could fix a whole lot of things in education if we could stop, if we could take. If we needed six months, if we needed a year, where essentially the district could just, if we could just stop, get everything together, kind of reboot, get everybody trained up, everybody ready, and then when, when we do fire up again, everybody's rolling forward, we're all on the same page, all on the same track, and everybody's going along. Instead, we are, as we have said before, you know, we're building the airplane in the sky while it's mm. falling out of the sky. I mean, so that's and that's to me that's one of the that's one of the problems with trying to change education. Now, getting back to the PD side, though, um, I totally agree. I think it would be um, potentially much more effective if some of the professional development were offered in sometime in the fall, mid to late fall. Mm-hmm. I, even you could we could even look at early to mid spring. Um, because that gives people time to think about it, uh, but then also allows folks to do the planning, the people who are in charge of whatever monies are going to be involved, to plan that out. And then come you know July 1, when it's time for the new budget to roll out, and what are we going to do with this, that can be planned for. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I will say <laughs> that with... Uh, Mr. Schenninger coming in here yesterday, and I don't know, I I, I could probably call him Eric at this point. I mean, we've shook hands. and There you go, call him Eric. I'll call him Eric. All right, so Eric was here yesterday. That sounds a little And by proxy, I will too. There you go. All right. (laughs) I I feel pompous saying that. Anyway, Uh, I I digress often. Um, Some of the things that he was talking about, and his focus was culture shock and getting – now, now, this was aimed at administrators, whether it's building level or district level, uh, but could also apply to teachers uh, who are leading their classrooms, um, really invoking culture shock, changing the mindset of the entire, whatever, grade level, entire building, entire district, depending on what level you're talking about. And some of those things, yeah, with two weeks before school, how are you possibly going to implement those? But by the same token... There are pieces of that that I believe anyway could be implemented in terms of maybe not full bore, but one of the things that he pointed out was, you know, he when he started out with with he was a principal at a school and they completely changed the way they were doing things in terms of instruction and technology and integration and and the things they looked for uh, when assessing students and how their lessons plan works. And I mean, it was a complete, really was a complete culture shift uh, in the district. And he and he even pointed out and said, you know, did I go out there and try to change everybody all at the same time? No, not everybody's going to change at the same time. But he went out and found, in his case, I think he said five of his, frankly, star teachers who he had a pretty good idea would be willing to jump on this and move ahead. And it turned mm-hmm. out he was right. So I think that could be the same thing. You know, even though this uh, this training happened um, yesterday and and. I sort of hate making time references in podcasts because, you know, somebody could be listening to this 
you know, six months from now, and yesterday's not yesterday. So, <laughs> so you but, mean July the 26th? So July 26th. Okay. So late July. Uh, so even though that this training took place late July, I believe that there could be some folks who were in that training who they are going to catch the wind in that sail and maybe not be able to affect a complete culture shift across the entire district or even in their whole building or for that matter, even in their entire grade level. But if they grab onto it and they go, man, yeah, I think I'm going to start implementing some of these things in my classroom, then at least it starts the the wheels of the big machine of education turning in a different direction. And so if you have a couple of those folks and they each start spinning those wheels, you know, getting that those big cogs moving in a different direction to kind of change the direction of that ship, uh, then I think it's it's all still worth it. Even though the most effective timing, maybe, maybe not, but at least you're getting some folks. Now, the other side of that, of course, would be follow-up, Right. I mean, frankly, in in the case of this particular thing that that he was talking about, you bring them back and say, okay, we, you know, here's a district and we really want to do this. We want to start this process. What do we need to do? We need your help. You know, give us some guidance. In that case, that training, I would definitely say, yeah, let's do that in the the fall so that in the spring we can start planning, you know, planning, implementing at least the early stages. And then by the time summer rolls around, that's where you hit hard and heavy, like you were saying, so that when the next fall starts up, folks are on board, ready to go. See, that's, I agree with you 100%. And I think that's, that's the interesting thing that's happening, is that with what he's talking about, it has, it's easy to implement. It's not easy to implement, but it's easier to implement. Yeah. For us to talk about integrating technology into a classroom via apps or one-to-one or this new piece of software, the Insight 360 or Google Classroom or something like that, we have to have everybody on the same playing field. Right. And so the problem that I have with finding your lead teachers is that sometimes doesn't work out. You know, you pick five teachers and they have, you know, it's seven steps to bacon. Unfortunately, they're not that close to Kevin Bacon, and one of them might be a phenomenal teacher, right. but really nobody else cares. Yeah, I mean, I'm being honest, but right. that's what happens, you know? And so it doesn't take off as you want it to. Now, if the district makes it mandatory and says, this is what we are going to do in every classroom, mm-hmm. well, see, the technology part of it makes it hard because everybody's not technologically prepared for that. No. And so when you're trying to do Google Classroom or something, you've still got somebody pushing a, a, a folder across the desktop trying to copy it, you sure, know, that kind sure. of thing. So, But see, the interesting part about this is what, what Mr. Schininger is talking about, is that you know this has nothing to do with technology, mm-hmm. really. It, this exactly. Is, we're going exactly. to make this happen. And then the best part is, is that, but, but then again, you know, I, I do realize then you're right. How do you make sure it's happening? You know, how to do you do the follow up on it? Well, now we're talking about an administrative observation piece that has to be put in to, you know, to make sure that th- that it is it is happening. But see, I think what he's talking about won't have to be done that way because it'll be it'll be it'll be visibly evident that it's happened. Sure. Because sure. we're talking about baby steps to bigger steps to moving right. into this this direction. And so but you're but I think we're both right in the sense that if you could start that in the fall. And then hone it in the spring, 
so that even for like a place like the cooperative educational service centers, right. they could really, you know, in April or May, they would love to know what you needed workshops on. Right. Yes. I mean, I truly believe the co-ops do the do a great job. The educational service centers do the best that they can for what they think you need and you think you need. Right. They're not in your school district. And if they are, they're in the school districts in little snips. So they, they need the response from a school district to, right, you know, right. what do you need this summer for, for workshops? Because otherwise, we're going to give you some of the same, you know, what we think you need. Well, some of them do that. And, and, and granted, yeah, there's going to be some of that no matter what. I mean, frankly, no matter, no matter what kind of surveys you put out, no matter what kind of feedback you look for, ultimately, some of the stuff that an education service center offers is what the service center thinks the districts may need in particular areas. Now, I know in the case of Southwest Arkansas Education Co-op, you know, we send out a need survey. We ask the teachers, the administrators, staff, you know, hey, what do you need? What would you like? What's going to help you? Um, I think part of the problem is, well, I don't even think. I know. I know part of the problem is, like with any survey, you don't get back enough responses to necessarily offer what the districts actually right. want or need. And wouldn't, so, you, wouldn't you probably say that's because they don't really know what they want or need? Well, and I think point. that's, a, and I really do think that's a part of it. You know, um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, that, it's sort of, I mean, it doesn't really come out of the blue. I mean, you know, we send out the surveys and we ask them what they want and they're given plenty of time to respond. Some folks immediately jump on there and they respond. Other folks wait a little while. But it would be like me just walking up to you and go, hey, what training do you need right now? Just tell me right now. What training? Um, well, I, I, right. Um, uh, I don't know. What, what, what is it that I don't know that I don't know I don't know? Yeah. I mean, really, you know, what, what is it I need to know? Well, you know, well I'm, not, I'm not sure what I need to know. So I, I think that's where, like what you were saying, if you have something, a, 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 and I hate to use the word directive, but if, if the, let's say the, the, the top administrator, let's just say building level, right? The principal of the building says, holy cow, I went to this program and I love the idea of, of changing the culture of this building. We're going to, uh, we're going to meet and we're going to talk about changing the way we assess students, changing the way we assess our teachers, changing the way uh, that we I don't know, even hold our classrooms. I mean, you know, whatever, however all of that works. Essentially, we, we have goals A, B, and C we want to meet. And we are going to completely uh, openly look at effective ways to be able to do that. Pretend we don't do anything. Pretend the slate is clean. Or for that matter, don't even pretend the slate is clean. What's going to work? Things like, uh, and this is one of the things that he talked about. Um, he said they had quite... A rain. Wow, it's raining. Sorry, we're <laughs> like what? Um, they had quite. He said they had quite a battle over um, the grading floor. That is what constitutes an F. Hmm. A fifty, a sixty. You know, he and he said flat out. Eric said he wanted uh, sixty, a sixty, and the teachers fought for sixty-four. And so he, you know, after they had their kind of knockdown drag out. That was something that he said, okay, we, uh, that's fine. I'll, we'll you get go that, with that one, but I'm going to get the right, next but one. I, but I get this other. I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, that was part well, of it. And, you but know. you know, that's but the a, other, but one of the other things he said though was a year or two later, and I can't remember how long, but a year or two later, he, uh, 
said that they that several of the teachers who didn't like the number uh, came back, or maybe maybe it was the opposite. Maybe they agreed on six. Anyway, some teachers didn't like the number, and they came back and said, we want to change the grading floor. We don't like it. And he said, okay, bring me the research and the data that shows the number that you want is the most effective way uh, to have the grading floor cut off. And he said, and do you know how long it took them to come back with that research? That he was still waiting for it. Ah, see. They didn't. You know, once they were tasked with proving what it is, you know, backing up, what you want to change. And I think that's a big key part of that. The other part was there was buy-in from really most of the parties involved. I mean, they even had students involved with things like when they were developing the BYOD process, they brought the students in. Okay, well, hold that thought. I'm holding it. Because we're going to take a quick break, listen to a little music, so David and I can catch up on a few more things. Yeah. But hold that thought. When we come back, we're going to talk about streamlining that idea and the tech into the tech, into the classroom and BYOD and, you know, bringing, letting the teachers understand, you know, making decisions like the grading floor and things like that. Yeah. Hey, you're listening to edutechguys.com, edutechguysradio, catch us out on Twitter, slash edutechguys. This is Trey Johnson and Jason Wilman with a little lo and behold, we'll be right back with edutechguys. Jason, let's do a love song for the ladies. Blow it like you stole it this time. One, two, one, two, three, four. Listening to edutechguys.com coming to you from the Southwest Arkansas Educational Cooperative. Stay tuned, coming back to talk a little about us streamlining the tech to make a heck in the classroom. I can't get no rest, honey, when you're laying in my arms. Cause your ass is so hot, you keep setting up my smoke alarms. Johnson and Jason Wilman. That's lo and behold here on EduTech Guys Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Awesome. We had a 
Great uh, discussion there before the break. We're going to pick it up now with streamlining the tech to make a hack. <laughs> I just wrote that in the notes. <laughs> you know, it's it, what I was getting at there was just about what we were talking about. So getting into this whole thing with, with Eric Schittinger, um, you know, the technology doesn't matter. It's actually just a whole new mind thing. Right. And and the, but the key part that I think and something we that we started the show off getting ready to talk about and we talked about at lunch is that I really truly believe we're at a point where the tech doesn't matter. It does matter because I think that when you're making all these decisions, then we have to say if you're if you're making a decision on where the, the grading floor is, then you make a decision on okay, what are the kids going to turn in. How are they going to turn it in? What's the technology that yes. we need to have? And let's keep it realistic and let's keep it attainable. Exactly. So, you know, right off the bat, it's either going to be Office 365 or it's going to be Google Apps for Education. Now, with most schools, it's going to be Google Apps for Education because it's free. Sure. So, you know, I mean, across the board. So I think that that's the, the really interesting one is that so now we're at a point where it's no longer about, well, I need to, I need to watch the kids what they're doing. I need to pay attention. You know, no, it's. And, and I don't know if he talked about this. I always say, instead of giving them 50 questions, give them 500 questions. Well, yes, he talked about that, but in the in a completely different direction. Um, uh, his perspective is, rather than giving them um, five questions or 500 questions, you give them, let's say it's five questions, but make sure that they can't Google the answer to those questions. Yeah. Make them higher order thinking questions. I mean, in fact, that's one of his big things. If you can Google the answer, it's not a well-formulated question. So instead, uh, students can use the Internet, Google and, and whatever else, for research purposes to defend whatever answer they are giving. But the the pat answer itself is not something that can just be easily looked up online somewhere right. you know you know what's funny about that is that i you know you said that at lunch and i and i've been thinking about it since then and you know i'm uh i'm always thinking about what the teachers are going to do to prep for that and i'm not bad mouthing teachers they're just really busy you know making sure. making lesson plans in, in the 21st century is a lot harder than it used to be sure sure um, it, and it's also easier because there is more valid there's more valid information to gather quicker sure. than it used to be. Sure. But, you know, there's an interesting part of that, and, and I said at lunch that, you know, if we're sitting in a, an administ we're sitting in a workshop with all teachers and administrators, all public educators, and someone asks a question, how many people immediately go to their phones or to their devices to Google it? Sure. Now, the interesting part about that is it's like anything else. Class, I need you to make for the science project in two weeks a volcano. Right. Here's the minimums and here's the maximums. Mm -hmm. There is no maximum, but here's the minimum you have to do. Now, for decades, the majority of the class will do the minimum. Sure. Now, you, and then you have these kids that will do a little bit more than minimum because that's just what they are. But then you'll have those kids that do the sky's the limit. Right. Like, right. you know, wow, that's almost like a real volcano. It burned me. You know, whatever. Right. I mean, it's, you right. know, it's one of those deals. And, and that's always going to be there. And sure. so the interesting thing about, you know, if you, if you can't ask a question that's not easily Googleable, then I, I, have to, I have to question that statement. But I agree with the statement. I wish that we could all make questions like that. But at the same time, our job has to have a, a ground floor. 
And we have oh, yeah, to, yeah. We right. have to be right. able to say that it's just like what's happening with standardized testing. We have to have a ground floor. So if you're making these questions that aren't Googleable, then you're talking about 60% of your kids are going to have a really hard time with those. Right. A really hard time well, with and, those. And just like anything else that is more um, advanced and or higher up in the order of thinking skills, you're not going to start with that. I mean, you're certainly not going to. Sure. You know, as you're introducing a concept, yeah, there's going to be the questions that you could theoretically Google the answer to. Or um, I, I look at it this way. When when my kids uh, are doing math problems, especially, uh, you know, I can't Google the answer to that exact math question. What I can do, though, is I can I can use Google and other resources, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Wolfram Alpha, Alpha, those types of things, to help me understand how to get to the answer. It's not going to give me the answer. Okay, and some sites actually will give me the answer. <laughs> I was going to say, in this day and age, but you can pretty much Google you pretty could, much every you math could question. could <laughs> plug it in and just about get the answer. Um, but it, part of it is also understanding how that answer came to be. Now, by the same token, going to what you were saying, I absolutely agree that we need to ask questions sometimes that are pure black and white, pure, yes, I could Google that answer, because uh, I, I think that helps build that understanding. Does it test the understanding and knowledge? Eh, depending on what you're trying to build and depending on what you're trying to accomplish, possibly. And again, this is just my thinking of this, my opinion. Um, but if you, if everything you do is multiple choice and everything you do is short answer, then no, that's that's not getting anything. I mean, I don't know. I, I think back to the many classes that I've had in which that's exactly how they did it. And how much do I remember of those? Almost nothing. I mean, right. seriously, almost nothing. Right. Uh, I had an advanced math class. Well, it was advanced for me. I had, an, I had a math class in which they were, we were talking about uh, functions and correlations and one-to-one correlation and two-to-one correlation. I don't remember any of that. You know what I remember? I remember the teacher telling me that a one-to-one correlation for his demonstration was taking two quarters and putting them in a Coke machine and pushing a button to get a Coke. That was one-to-one. You put money in, get a Coke out. I'm like, okay, I got that. Do I remember all the formulas and how? No, I don't remember any of that stuff. Right, right. You know, so. Well, you know, the good doc is always on the chat, and he said, uh, if the first result is Yahoo answer, it's almost a good question. (laughs) (laughs) That terrible Yahoo hating going on there. (laughs) Dogpile. But, you know, okay, so. That was that. I didn't. I didn't want us to get in an argument over that, which we're not an argument. Oh, not arguing. We sometimes we argue. Well, it's good for us, though. It's good for everybody. But what? So having said that, so let's talk about how to streamline this tech into the classroom. So we're going to kind of go in a little bit different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that we've talked about this a hundred million times on on air, off air, at lunches, dinners, you know, driving down the road. You know, I believe we're at the point now where it's time for uh, the schools to define what they need from the students and the device that the student needs to provide. And the reason I think that that's a part of... Wait, wait. That the student needs to provide. Okay. B-Y-O-D. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, bring your own drink. (laughs) That's why I hate B-Y-O-D because, you know, that's that's the old college thing. Bring your own drink. Right. Okay, what? Yeah. But yeah, bring your own device. 
But it, I think it's time where, you know, we're no longer asking kids for matte pencils and graph paper. We're not asking them to bring, you know, trapper keepers. Right. And, you know, we need a, a blue three-hole punch notebook and a red. You know, we're not doing that kind of stuff anymore mm. um, because we don't use that kind of stuff anymore. Right. And but so I, I think it's time that we say your student needs this device that does this 10 or 15 things, you know, and these are the different ones. You can buy any one you want, whichever one's most affordable for your child, as long as it does this thing is most comfortable for them. So if a, if a family has a child with a, a visual handicap, then they go, well, we're going to need something with a big screen. So that's on you guys, you know? Right. Um, and, and, and I think that we're in the, the day and age where we can have companies help us provide that for our, for our parents. The, the reason I think that's going to help streamline it is multiple, multiple things here. Um, it's not a give me. Right. And so the kids' care and, and protection of the device is on them because we don't own it anymore. Right. And, you know, as anything, you know, roads are not owned by us. So we drive a road, but when I see a pothole, you don't see me pull over and fill it. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, even though right. I might hit it every day on my way to work. Right. Right. It's not my job to fill that pothole. It's funny. I use it every day. Yeah. And actually, some of my taxes pay for it. You know, some, right. A couple of pennies. But, you know, I'm probably the one that helped create that pothole. <laughs> But, you know, that's what I like to look at it. So it's, that's kind of how devices are treated that school districts provide is it's, well, it's just a road and that's not mine. So right. If right. it breaks, they got to give me another one or, you know, they get this thing fixed. It's right. Same mentality. Right. I think that fixes the problem. But the other thing it does is, is that when the teachers know going into it that these are the 15 things that the devices are going to do and this is what I can expect to get from it, that sure does make it a lot easier for them. Right. That they can say, okay. Now when I'm doing this, I know that I can get this output from it because I know that we've we've standardized this output. Which, right. Which helps to which helps to make the teacher say that they can just get back to teaching what they want to teach. I need a report. I need a presentation. I need you to compare these three pictures with these three pictures or this graph. And I need it turned in tomorrow. Right. Using using uh, whatever device you right. happen to have right. using any of these various apps that you have right. access to. And, and in some cases, maybe I give you a list of, okay, you can pick from, you know, these, any of these 25 apps, you can use one of them. You can use all 25 if you right. think that's what you need or you, you know, but you have to use these or if depending on, you know, the scenario and the class and whatever, it might not even be a list. Here are 25 apps you could use, but if you find something else you like and it yeah. still accomplishes the goal yeah. and the objectives and you can demonstrate that you understand the the concepts that we've discussed and that need to be met in this particular project, then you use whatever you want to do. Just kind of like what we were talking about at lunch, you know, if, if a student decides that... Um, that they're going to build uh, or demonstrate their knowledge. Well, actually, let's just use your example of the volcano. So let's say a student's going to demonstrate their knowledge of how volcanoes work. And one student does the old school paper mache volcano gurgling, bubbling. Great. Another student decides they're going to show their demonstration through a Minecraft map that they build. And another yeah. one, you know, uses Google SketchUp or whatever, whatever other means. And then some student uses some program that you know we basically haven't heard of before or some program that you never would have thought would have been a program to use for that uh and but they're able to demonstrate 
their knowledge. They get all the points across. Right. They meet all of the items with on the, the different levels rubric. of how it blows up or exactly. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know whatever it takes. They meet the letter of of the rubric to wherever they're hitting right. that scale. Then there you go. And that, my friend, takes us to where exactly where Mr. Schinninger was talking about. That opens their minds up to well. I, I, I'm just going to do it with a PowerPoint, but I've got to show the every step of mm-hmm. it. I'm going to do it with Minecraft. And now, now we're talking about asking a question that you can't Google. Right. That it's got to be creative on your part, and I have to think about how I'm going to do it. Right. So to me, that fits both parts. And, and, and I think doing it that way saves us a ton of time. Now, see, me... I'm going to wait for you to make it in paper shay, come over that night before, video your volcano erupting, and make a movie and turn it in as my own. So, <laughs> this is I, me. I don't think that works. This that is me. <laughs> Knowing how a volcano works is David did all the work, so I videoed it, and I put all the titles down at the bottom of it. Yeah. But, you know, it's still that's still interesting. You know, I mean, the, the things that you could do. You, you know, sure. This kid took all these video clips from all these volcanoes erupting and blah, 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 and mm-hmm. edited them all together and sure. put the, the necessary information and made a movie. And right. said, here's my one minute and 30 second of what happens with a volcano. And this was Mexico in 1919, and it started off as a molehill, and then it blew up and then, you know, did the whole thing. And took historical pictures and video clips and sure. put them all together. But see, to me, that immediately hits what Eric was talking about, of like, there's something that really expands the mind. Right. The teacher doesn't have to say, you must turn it in in PowerPoint. Right. You must do this in Google Slides. Right. No, no it's, this is what I want from you. Now, see, there's that scary part for some teachers. Because then it comes down to, because yeah, we can all agree that if everybody in the majority of people in the classroom did a, uh, let's say, a PowerPoint. And then David brought in this a massive paper mache volcano that erupted and did all this really cool stuff. How do I grade that against that? You see, there, there's where it gets hard for teachers is I've got three PowerPoints, uh, two Minecrafts, a paper mache, uh, you know, and, and so teachers, th- that will be one of the first complaints is, no, I want it all turned in, double spaced on a one inch margin. Because to them, but well, right. I mean, well, that's where changing the mindset comes in. But that's also where using something like a rubric, and I'm not saying you have to use a rubric, but something that allows for um, objective flexibility, for lack of a better word. And I may have just made that up. If I did, you can make sure you attribute that to me. Say that again. (laughs) Objective flexibility. Put it in the notes. Put it in the notes. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. What I mean is it has to be a scale in which you can objectively evaluate whatever the product is, allowing the flexibility for various projects that fit in that rubric or in that scoring scale or whatever it is. So if you have a student who makes a PowerPoint, they are evaluated on the same objective items that are in that rubric, that scoring guide, whatever, that someone who does Minecraft. It the vehicle is not the issue. It's the what is the is the end product demonstrating the student knowledge. That's what it is. And and ideally is the end product demonstrating student mastery of the topic that is being you know, uh, assessed. Right. Right. Uh, it, it's not 
it's not how that's being delivered. You, you know, yeah, these, you know, this kid did this in Minecraft. Ooh, ah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, this other student did a Steven Spielberg-esque, or maybe they're male fans of Stanley Kubrick-esque, <laughs> right? They did this video. Great. And that's cool. And it has definitely has the wow factor, but the wow factor is not part of the evaluation. You could have easily written a five-page paper that was double-spaced with this particular font and blah, 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 blah. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as that end product is objectively evaluated against whatever that scoring mechanism is. And that's what I mean by objective flexibility. Interesting. I just, that's, that's, I don't know. That That's my take on it. I think, I think, I think that's where it doesn't matter whether it's PowerPoint, whether it's a Prezi, whether it's a story bird picture book, whether it is uh, a bunch of edited video clips, again, Minecraft, I don't know, BeamNG, you name it, some program um, that the students are using to demonstrate their content knowledge, that doesn't matter. The vehicle doesn't matter. It's did they get to the destination of explaining their understanding of the content as it's being requested and assessed? Do you realize the amount of professional development that could be built around just this discussion, just about what Eric oh, talked yeah. about and how yeah. it could be blown out oh, yeah. and how just, just his one day talk or his, you know, one of his books, mm -hmm. I mean, building it. And, and there's the interesting part is this is, this is specific PD specific to a school district or a sure. school. Yes. Or even a town, a certain grade level. Oh, because yeah. This all has to do with, you know, what we do in Hope is different than 30 minutes down the road. Right, right. And, and, but I, I see where this ties into making it uh, even rougher, you know, to get the right PD. Hey, sure. listen, we're going to take a quick break, hit a little music, and awesome. uh, come back and talk a little bit about Google Apps for Education. Um, it'll also be time for... Our Google Tip of the Week. <laughs> hey, today's second <laughs> featured artist is David. No. <laughs> yes. No, not seriously. It's not. Oh it's, man, uh, I was gonna. It's uh, you want to announce this? I can. It's uh, Nick C, Pittsburgh-based uh, musician, and uh, yes, my cousin. So you know he gets all kinds of props on the show. But uh, take a listen, and you'll understand why we love to feature his music. This is Nick C, completely yours.
favorite song and if nobody's looking we can get it on well, I know we have just begun and I'm glad that we can give it a chance ain't no better feeling out and falling in love my heart is like a stone my heart is not my own You're listening to EduTechGuys, radio.edutechguys.com. We'll be back in just a moment. David and I were talking about the Google tip of the week, and I realized, I don't hear any more music playing. Well, and just real quickly, we had a question from The Good Doc. Um, specific, he addressed it directly to me. Would I say the end result uh, of student work could show more about understanding of a subject than the path picked? And I would say absolutely. I mean, that's, that is the ultimate goal. What is the end product and how... That demonstrates what they know. So, yes. The short answer is yes. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Holy cow. Hey, you know what? Speaking of short answers or something, I don't know. We, in addition to the weekly show that we do, we also do live conference coverage out and about. And so uh, I'm going to tell you about a few things coming up in October we're going to be live at the Arkansas Conference of Technology. And if it's in the same place it was last year, that'll be up in North Little Rock. So mm. that's going to be cool. And then November, the end of November, 1st of December, we're going to be in Savannah, Georgia at the AESA. That is the Association for Education Service Agencies Conference, providing live conference coverage there. And then in January, we're going to be in Orlando at Fetsy, F-E-T-C dot org. I'm excited. I think it's going to be very cool. I'm looking forward to uh, getting out there and, and hanging out with the folks and, and learning what they learned through them. We get to attend these conferences kind of vicariously through the participants and the uh, presenters and the vendors. So it's very cool. I love sitting down and, and having folks sit down across from us and just, just talking. It's awesome. You know, I think that's what's interesting is that... Um, 
we're usually at the end of the first day, we're both like someone had beat us to death with a two by four. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why we're so worn out is because we're experiencing this conference new. Yeah. Each time someone sits down and tells us why they're there or what they do or where they're yeah. from. And it's like, Oh wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and people, I, I guess people like us because we are genuinely concerned about, you know, who you are and where you're from and what you're doing. Because, you know, I I like to meet people. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's that's one of our favorite things that we do is conference coverage. Yeah. And that's one of – I think that maybe that's why people like us because that's one of the favorite things that they like that we do. Right, right. um, Listen, we were just talking about uh, PD, uh, streamlining tech into the classroom – Keeping it simple, BYOD, and uh, what's coming up for all you getting ready to start school this year. And um, one of the big ones is Google Apps for Education. A lot of schools use those. Yeah. And um, so if you're doing some PD out there on Google Apps for Education, hey, let us know. Drop us a line. Hit us in, on uh, Twitter, Edutech Guys, at Edutech Guys. Catch yeah. us on Facebook, Edutech Guys. Uh, let us know what you're doing for Google Apps for Education. Uh, one of just, it's just, a fat ginger with you know a couple of decades of education technology behind him here. My best thing to tell you is little pieces, little pieces. Yeah. If you're bringing in your teachers for an all-day workshop and you're going to attempt to cover all of Google Apps in an all-day workshop, you're you're not helping yourself or them one bit. Um, I think the best thing to do is break it up into little bite-sized pieces. Um, don't worry about stuff like extensions and things like that. Just get really into the guts of, say, Google Docs right off the bat. Yeah. And yeah. The, the myriad things that you can do in there. And then work your way to presentations and then work your way to sheets and things like that. Uh, Google Drive alone, uh, nesting folders, building turn-in folders for your students, building public folders that house uh, lesson plans for teachers. Um, that's a good two hours, three hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can really get into, you know, how that happens and how the hierarchy of sharing and rights work and really get people, you know, talking about what they can do with it. And, and I think that's a big deal to me that we found in our workshops is we talk about what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then we always end up having this kind of bullpen session where the, 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 uh, the people in the workshop um, tell us, their sudden ideas about well, I could I could use it for this, couldn't right. I? Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's to me that bullpen session um, yep. is is a real big deal. Well, and I think that's one of the biggest. Um, I don't know. That's one of my favorite parts of the professional development that we offer. Like you know, if we go out to a, a school, um, which we can definitely do for you if you're out there listening and, and you want some professional development, um, we like to talk obviously about uh, how to incorporate podcasting. We can also show you how to tie that into Google Classroom, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to me, that's one of my the favorite. My favorite parts uh, is when we get to the end, and that's when we have those kind of light bulb moments. You know where where the participants um, are, are kind of all yelling at us these different ideas that they're that they're getting, and it's things that you know we certainly haven't necessarily thought of, and definitely things that other folks in the room may not have thought of. Or um, you know we did one where one person sh- spouted out one idea uh, of how they wanted to use it with their students, and then that sparked an idea in another participant, and they were like, "Wait a minute." If I took your idea, but I put this spin on it, I could do this. And it, when it was just like pop, 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 I mean, it was popcorn. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, uh, it's, I like that a lot. 
So there's just a little but, yeah. little tidbit from us on if you're getting ready to do that PD and maybe you're listening to the show or you have some input on the PD for your district, mm-hmm. your school, uh, that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so, man. Um, so you know what time it is. It's time for... Google tip of the week. <laughs> Google I Google I couldn't remember if it was an app, a tip. It's, Let me try that again. It's actually it's actually, actually it's, just not, it's neither really. I think that's what my problem was. Yeah. I got um, hung up. There'll be a lot more Google apps and tips coming. This is all about Google though. Um Google. I, I mean I guess we're pretty big fans of Google, aren't we? We're, we like Google, we like Apple, we like Pretty big fans of Google, though, I think, probably. Well, uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, the Google Education for I'd Education I'd be a bigger blog. fan if they paid us something. Yeah. <laughs> the Google for Education <laughs> blog. It's Google for, F-O-R, education. Uh, F-O-R-E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N. <laughs> Google for education.blogspot.com. Great place to follow. Um, Monday, July 18th. This is kind of an old one, but we, uh, we were real busy last week, and we didn't get to this one. They're congratulating the 2016 Google Science Fair Community Impact Award winners and regional finalists. Man, that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. I don't think you were ready for that. What's interesting about it is uh, Google, it's not just about Google. Google has their finger in everything, including science, which, you know. What's interesting about this one is is that they've they've got the winners from around the the world. Interesting enough, one, two, three, four of them have to do with water. <laughs> From North America, a young man, Alex, um, his is about seashells for water safety and creating a, a cheap, inexpensive filters to remove lead from drinking water, which in this country, uh, in the United States, um, it still actually affects um, like around over 6 million uh, people across the United States. That's a, that's a that's, lot of people. That is I mean, crazy. I know there's 400 million people in the country, but yeah, six million, but... in this country, you're still getting lead poisoning. Uh, from Latin America, Better Water for Brazil with Seed Magic. Mm-hmm. That's probably a great read. These are all readable from the website. Uh, Asia, Keeping Fishermen Safe at Sea. Yeah, man. Um, Africa, No More Thirsty Crops. It sounds like you a know, lot of water stuff. Well, but you know, think about but, it. But that's one of the biggest problems we have is water pollution, uh, drought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, and it's funny, safety at sea for fishermen. You know, we forget that uh, a large, large, large portion of this great big blue marble still gets most of its benefits and food source from the sea. Yep. So that's a big one. And then Europe, it was making Turkey earthquake ready with recycled cans. I bet that's a pretty neat read. So there it is. There's there's your Google tip of the week. Check out googleforeducation.blogspot.com. You can catch a lot of great articles on there. It's uh, it's their blog for education, and it goes and goes and goes and goes. So, David's giving me a... a I'm, I'm giving you a, a one moment. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, look and see. We've got a guest actually scheduled for next week. Oh, we do. We do. See, I get, I get all confused. Yeah, we're going to have John Otterstead. Otterstead, I'm sorry. Otterstead. Uh, here next week, so Sweet. that'll be cool. We'll be definitely want to too. tune in. Uh, next week we'll be getting really close to the start of school yeah, in Arkansas, man. yeah, and probably around the country. It's about that time. And uh, if you ever want to let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods, visit the website www.edutechguys.com. Drop down to the bottom, fill out the contact form, let us know who you are, what you're doing, and all that good stuff. If you know of a musician or musicians out there that would like us to feature their music, we're always looking for music. Have yes. them hit us up, either Jeff or David, at edutechguys.com. 
Catch us on Twitter, Edutech Guys, Facebook, Edutech Guys, Instagram, Edutech Guys. Edutech Guys everywhere. <laughs> we're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Edutech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on this site and this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.